Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. John Zogby coming up in just a few minutes, trying to connect with him about the upcoming, or I'm sorry, the recent poll of President Trump versus Vice President Biden. The head-to-head, the most recent, and we'll break that down. We'll try to get the specifics, but right now, in both national polls, uh, Vice President Joe Biden is leading uh, President Trump, and so is Governor Andrew Cuomo. That one, however, is in the, um, what do they call it? The margin of error. That's what they call it. Well, and there's no uh, there's no uh, real reason to think that that's going to happen, Joe, right? Uh, Cuomo has maintained all along that he has no interest in running for president. And he has made that very clear, even to his own brother, uh, Chris Cuomo. So, uh, yeah, people keep positioning Cuomo as a possible Democrat candidate uh, over Joe Biden, but I don't think that will happen. It'll be interesting to see what our callers think and what uh, John Zogby says. Who joins us right now? John, good morning. Hello, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Now, uh, first question, obviously, how are you dealing with the uh, coronavirus uh, crisis going on? Um, just, I think like everybody else, just trying to maintain my san- sanity, just keeping busy. Yeah, it's a... Uh, John, it, it's, it's John de- do you find that, uh, that it helps to just focus on work? Because uh, you certainly have a lot of numbers to crunch, and you definitely want to be able to... Um, bring the most accurate information to people. Do you do you find that you dive into work even more than you did prior to COVID nineteen? Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's nice just to turn, you know, the news and, and present events off. But I can't do that all the time. But yeah, having you know work and steady employment, it it does kind of keep the mind at bay. Now, looking at the uh, the most recent poll, uh, you have Trump Biden, which will most likely be the the November election. You also have Trump Cuomo. What made you pull that matchup? Um, it's interesting. I mean, our, our previous poll that we did right before the the two horse races, we positioned Biden against. Cuomo in the Democratic primary, and we, we had Biden winning three to one, but he's he's getting a lot of attention right now. He's, he's kind of, you know, hot right now. The media is giving him a lot of attention. The other thing, too, is he's kind of become, you know, the de facto face of 
the Democratic response to the crisis and the party right now because Biden's kind of been laying low. So people are interested in him. But as far as him launching a presidential campaign, that could be a stretch. But it's still interesting to see where he matches up against Trump, especially among certain subgroups, too. Hey, John, let me ask you, it looks like um, Joe Biden is definitely keeping a low profile. I expect to see his face on a milk curtain before long. Is that a, a strategic move on his part because everybody is really focused on the coronavirus crisis? I think so, and I, I think some of it has to do with his age. I don't think, you know, trying to run a campaign in this environment is difficult. He can't get places. He can't go places. And you know, to be honest, I, I think even throughout the the Democratic primary process, the debates, we really haven't seen the best of Joe Biden yet. Could be an issue. John, if we if we look at uh, this poll, the Biden versus Trump poll, uh, where is President Trump not doing as well as he did, say, in 2016? Where has he lost some support, according to the most recent poll? Mm-hmm. I would say it's even uh, just within the last month because we've had this race pretty tight. I mean, it's either been, you know, a statistical tie, so it's been close within the margin of error, one or two percentage points, or we've had Trump up by a, a, a handful, or this time we've had Biden. It's with the swing voters. Um, so, and I kind of noticed this when when Trump kind of has a bad week, and 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 bad is, you know, it's how the media, some of it, how the media portrays him who he gets into a spat with, he kind of loses support with important swing voters such as independents, suburban voters, especially suburban women. And then Biden, uh, Biden's had this ability in our polls to kind of chip away too at some of the president's base. So he's been able to do good with voters in um, smaller urban cities of people, uh, less than 100,000 people. And then he's, He's also done good with voters who don't have uh, college degrees. And those are both groups that that Trump did very well with in 2016, actually all those groups. Yeah, John, looking uh, at the breakdown, it says that the president only has a 3% lead in the South. Is that very different from, say, this poll against Hillary Clinton in 2016? You know, it's it's tough. To, because, I mean, we're, we're looking at a nationwide sample, so of, of a thousand voters. So I don't know if we're getting the best representation um, in the South. It could be an outlier, but that's usually an area that, you know, he's winning by five, seven, ten points against his opponents. That could be concerning. Hey, John, what about uh, President Trump changing his focus at this point to try to uh, get back into a better position uh, in terms of this race. Now, obviously, it's still months away, and who knows what will happen between now and then. But is it, is it, does it make sense for him to focus more on, say, the economy and the safety of United States citizens rather than trying to blame people for what's happening? I do. I, I, I think that could be his winning strategy, because I think the longer this goes on and the longer you know the economy is shut down, people – are going to be hurting. And if he's out there saying, listen, he's got to walk a tightrope. I mean, he's got to consider safety on one end, but then he's also got to consider economics. So if he's out there saying, listen, I want to open up the economy safely in stages. I'm going to try and work with the governors, but I want to get America reopened again. I want to get people back to work. 
I think that that's a better strategy than just blaming people and getting into Twitter spats with people. You know, it's interesting, too, you know, digging down into your research, um, I find it fascinating how granular it gets, John. Um, the, the part about uh, the Central Great Lakes area uh, with Biden being ahead of Trump uh, for the time being, is that because it's considered more of a manufacturing industry or uh, less tourism, for example, than, say, the West and South? How, why, why would that factor in in that fashion? Well, you know that that's gonna that's gonna include the um, classic blue wall states. You know, so you're gonna have your your Michigans, uh, Wisconsin's, Ohio. Those are old manufacturing hubs. There's a lot of union jobs. Trump was able to knock that blue down that blue wall down in the last election. Historically, you know, like uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, those have gone Democratic. So, yeah, I, I, I think. I, I definitely think that that's important. Is is this? Oh, go ahead, Brenda. I'm sorry. No, okay. Do you see a difference uh, after the daily press conferences? How closely do you monitor um, the poll or the, your research after the president, for example, speaks about Corona and brings up Vice President Pence, brings up Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci? Do you do research immediately after that? Or do you wait for that to settle in a bit? Um, but, I mean, we, we try and keep up with it um, on a monthly basis. Um, and and maybe, maybe biweekly sometimes. I mean, obviously we have uh, client work. I mean, this, this is kind of like our R&D. This is kind of how we keep up on the trends following the, uh, the, the presidential election and, and politics. But just, just to go back to your, your previous question with um, – you know, the, the, the central Great Lakes. Biden also, I, I think Biden can do well there because I think he can also, I've noticed in, in our polls, like over the, the last year or so, he, he has a tendency to also attract union voters. And that was a big thing for, for President Trump in 2016. And especially winning those states is he was able to flip a lot of union voters. And Biden might be able to win back some of those, especially in Pennsylvania, since he's from Pennsylvania, he's Scranton Joe. He has that image, that persona. You know, also looking at the breakdown, I see that Trump is performing well with voters age 30 to 39. I find that surprising uh, because I think of especially people in their early 30s being millennials and millennials tending to lean to the left. Is that different than when President Trump won in 2016? And is that a number that keeps moving in his in his favorability? Yes, and it's something I'm definitely we're definitely paying attention to. Um, he's been doing well with the age group, really 30 to 49, but we're we're kind of drilling down a little bit even further. So he's doing well with older millennials um, and, and Generation X voters. They've been see, seeming to support him more. They give him high approval ratings, over 50 percent. But it's it's definitely something I've been paying attention to the last six months, and I'm definitely seeing a trend in that. John, what do you see as the other factors here? Obviously, I think the economy is always number one. You know, the old saying, it's the economy, stupid. But uh, would you would you put uh, safety, uh, given the coronavirus crisis, as the number two priority at this point? I would. I would. And it, it, the other thing, too, is that it's going to be interesting to see how we – you know, where we are later in the year, are we going to be dealing with a second wave? Are we going to be able to have people come out and vote? What's the turnout going to look like? Because, I mean, if we're in this situation come November, I mean, we, we can't really bet. You know, typically we're trying to produce a model, um, you know, based on past exit polling, 
demographic shifts, and then we also kind of have to use our gut. And, and we can get a good sense, you know, of how many Democrats are going to come out, how many suburban voters, how many women. But if we're in this situation, it's going to be – I think that that's going to be – a huge issue. So, I mean, you're going to have the economy, the coronavirus, and are we going to be able to vote? Is it going to be by mail? What issues are we going to have? So a lot of things are really up in the air. Now, I I know Vice President Biden has promised that his running mate will be a female, but looking at this and looking at both Biden and Cuomo beating Trump head to head, would Joe Biden benefit from adding Governor Cuomo to his ticket? That's a tough one. I mean, when you look you know, when you're looking at uh, our poll, I mean, maybe you could think that. The thing is, is I think Cuomo right now is he's going he's he's on the TV every day, not just in New York State, but nationwide. People they like, you know, the people that don't like Trump, they they look at Andrew Cuomo and they say that's the type of person we want. This is the type of response we want: more empathy, a little bit more humanity. And I think he plays well to the coasts, the coastal elites, and here on in the Northeast and maybe in California. But the thing is, would he be able to bring anything to the table for Biden in, you know, uh, Ohio and Michigan and, and, and other places in, in the heartland? That's where I have trouble seeing him being a, a running mate and, and him helping Biden's case. Uh, John, speaking of vice presidential candidates and particularly women, uh, it's unusual, I think, to see so many women putting it out there early that they'd be interested in being Biden's running mate. Elizabeth Warren has publicly said that. Um, Kamala Harris seems to be making a lot of appearances and has talked openly about being interested in that. Uh, the woman who ran for governor in Georgia, um, Stacey, St- help, uh, help me. I'm trying to remember her. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Thank you, Joe. She has expressed interest in, and has put it out there that she'd be a very good vice presidential candidate. So uh, the question, you know, seems to me that a woman is almost a given. Do you think that any one of those women will end up being the candidate? And we could probably throw Amy Klobuchar in there as well from Minnesota. You could. You could also put Meg Whitmer in there, the governor of Michigan. Yes, from Michigan, yep. Strategically, I mean— to flip states, I mean, that, that's what Biden's going to have to do. Um, I mean, I, I, I see Klobuchar, um, uh, Meg Whitmere, but it, it, people are, are playing up Kamala Harris. Um, I'm not sure Abrams brings anything really to the table because, I mean, she technically she didn't win. I mean, she some argue that she did win. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I think the <laughs> – of those people, could anyone really make a difference? Maybe Meg Whitmer. I mean, that would be an important state to win. But really, the, I think don't. And this this is fantasy. But I mean, if he were really to to pick a woman who he wanted to make a difference and really make a run at the White House, I mean, that would be Michelle Obama. But why right. is she going to take that? I mean, why would she want to be vice president? So. Right, right, and I don't think a lot of people know enough about Stacey Abrams. I think you know, uh, Gretchen Whitmer has become more well known because of all the controversy in Michigan, but. Harris, Klobuchar, Warren certainly, you know, had a presence on the Democratic uh, uh, stage during the debates. People know who they are. And also, I think with Harris offers some geographic diversity, West Coast, uh, East Coast for Biden. Do you think that that factors in nowadays, John, or is that something that was more of an old school approach that you need some geographic balance with the two top candidates? 
No, I think I think they do because I, I think for for the Democrats, the the strategy they have the numbers. You know, when, when you consider younger voters and and women, I mean, if if they can get more of those people to come out, they have a better chance to win. So exciting the base, exciting African American voters by having somebody on who is African American, and then also a woman, and then getting ex- exciting um, Democratic women to come out. I, I, th- I think that that is very important, more so for them. Well, John, very insightful stuff. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you very soon as we, behind all of this COVID-19, are on our way to a very close November 2020. I think so. And I'd be happy to be back on. Thank you. And hey, we appreciate it. That's John Zogby of uh, Zogby. His new poll has uh, Vice President Biden leading President Trump 47-42. Uh, and Brenda, that was what stuck out to me was that President Trump, now he's lost some numbers in the South, according to this poll, but that millennials are barely, but leading in his direction. That is, you know, all the, all the talk you hear, millennial, millennial liberals and um, Bernie supporters and all that. But right now, Trump having that, I think, could be very important in a few months. Joe, that jumped out at me as well. And even though it's a 1% difference, 44 to 43, it's significant. I, uh, I was very surprised to see that as well. So time will tell. And uh, who knows? I mean, I think it'll change in the next month, especially since many of us are still confined. And uh, we don't know if there'll be peaks and, or plateaus with the uh, COVID-19 uh, and how that will impact uh perceptions of voters as we get closer and closer to November. But I'll tell you what, Joe, doesn't November seem like it's far away at this point? It seems like May is far away, let alone November. November seems like it's far away, and Super Tuesday in the primaries seems like it was in 2016. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one thing about this whole virus and this whole confinement. It really kind of skews time. It does for me, at least. Oh, for Um, sure. It seems like ages ago that uh, we did anything, uh, what would be considered normal anymore, you know, going out to a function or going out to dinner or or going to work, for that matter, you know, into the office and a routine. So um, that's why I think that this is so interesting to see how things will adjust and change on the fly as this crisis continues to unfold. That's right. Well, when we come back, we're talking to Russ Thompson and you. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you until 1 o'clock. Then Tom Bowerly takes over 1 till 4, keeping it live and local. Joining us this segment is Russ Thompson. Russ, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well, Russ. How have you been during the uh, COVID-19 crisis? Well, mostly cramped up inside the house. We've been actually trying to move a little bit during this thing, which has made it extremely difficult. I do have a little shop behind the house that I'm able to go out and at least escape a little bit. I rarely go out. Occasionally, I'll have to go to the hardware store. But when I do go out, I'm very careful. The social distancing and all that. And uh, I'm abiding by the rules. And that's the objective, right? Uh, absolutely, Russ, for all of us. It applies to one and all. And uh, tell us what you have planned for uh, Gridlock Buffalo, which I understand is supposed to take place at noon tomorrow in front of City Hall in Niagara Square. What exactly uh, are you planning on uh, coordinating and organizing? Oh, hi, Brenda. Um, number one objective, and it, it basically it all started when Governor Cuomo extended the shutdown until May 15th. At that point, my messenger on my Facebook, my text message on my phone blew up. People were looking forward to, re- to basically starting the reopening of the economy on April 1st. And when they found out it was going to be get extended until the 15th of the month, then they got to the point where they were, being, they were fed up. A lot of people started seeing what was going on in Michigan, and now it's going on in a lot of states. People started asking me, can we do something? Can we do something? Well, trying to be well aware of the social distancing, of everything that's going on, trying to keep people healthy, I said probably the best thing to do would be to do part of what Michigan did, which was basically to do a gridlock. I'm not looking for stopped traffic. I'm looking for protests where people stay in their cars. I really would rather not see people get out of their vehicles and gather in a group to protest. This is not the place. This is not the time to do it. So that's basically what I'm looking at. I'm asking people to get there around 11, 30, 12 o'clock and drive around the circle until about one o'clock and disperse. Russ, let me ask you, because we've seen all around the country these protests turn into where it's people cramming together. It's people in big groups out of their cars. And as you know, Erie County is behind New York City with the COVID-19 outbreak. Are you scared this could cause a spike in the people that go if they do step out of their cars? Well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm hoping for, that if people do get out of their cars, they, they keep their social distancing. They keep a mask on. They abide by the protocol that has been for, put forth. Everywhere I go, that's what I see. We're responsible adults. We know how to take care of ourselves, and we're not children. And here's one of the biggest things is that when when Governor Cuomo dictates what is going to happen in New York City, it spreads all across the state. There's 9 million people approximately. You might be down to 8 million people right now in New York City. They're all crammed into a couple of square miles. That, that extend out to Rockland County and out on Long Island. We're not New York City. We are much more rural area. We're not on top of one another. 
but yet he, he dictates what's happening in New York City to what we're doing up here. We don't have the subway system that still operates today in New York City. We don't have the offices that are like what's in New York City with people working on top of each other. There's so many small businesses like mine, like all my subcontractors that do welding and steel fabrication that have work areas. We're not on top of one another because you're handling steel and you're doing welding. You've got landscapers that are not allowed to work. A landscaper can go out in a team in each individual truck or in their individual cars and mow a lawn, put down some, put down some plants. There's so many things that we could start doing right now to help get the economy going without going full bore and letting everybody go back to work, which I think is stupid. Well, all we hear now is we ha- like Brian Higgins just said, we have to listen to the health experts. Well, if we listen to the health experts, everything would be closed. Everybody would be confined to their homes. But instead, what do we have? Some stores are open. The grocery stores are open, which is a necessity. The liquor stores are open. You can still get gasoline. I mean, I don't understand it. If you're going to listen to them, then listen to them. Lock everybody down completely. Russ, let me ask you about the event, because you know as well as I do, people will get out of their cars, and I think that's a bad look. But on top of that, you're asking people to clog Niagara Square, uh, to go downtown, and to tie up first responders. Don't you think there's a better better way we could do this, a petition, an online uh, change.org, something else to get the names out there, get the support out there, but not tie up our first responders? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's going to work, right? The the governor's not listening to anybody. He listens to himself, and he does what he wants to do without any import from anybody. I've already contacted and talked to the Buffalo Police Department. As soon as they call wind of this, this Captain Mike Kelly called me up from the downtown bureau. He asked me what I was planning on doing or what we're planning on doing because it's not just me. I told him what we were doing. He goes, one request. I said, sure, what's that? He goes, we need to make room for emergency responders like police cars, like, like fire trucks, like ambulances to be able to get through. I said, I will put that message out. You know, I'm not stupid, Joe. I'm not going to clog up and not allow fire trucks to get through or ambulances to get through. Last year, I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance, spent five weeks in it. You think I was looking forward to somebody stopping me in traffic? Don't portray this as something that it's not. This is what everybody's doing. I'm getting death threats, okay, for doing this. This is simple. Ross, drive down Ross, you, downtown. Let me let me interject, Russ. You're one man. How are you going to stop people from getting out of their cars? I can't, Brenda. I can't. All I can do is ask and request. Request of people to do what is right to stay in your vehicles, and please not get out. Because exactly what, what will happen is the media will rip this apart and say we're a bunch of stupid fools. And we're not. We're responsible adults that know how to do things. If you go to the store, you wear a mask, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay? So that's a simple thing to do. Everybody I see now, because we're required to do so, is wearing a mask. I could only ask people to do the same thing. 
All right, the governor is telling people to do this stuff. Some people will do it. Some people won't. Does the governor have control over everybody? No. Everybody is an individual person that's going to do what they're going to do. I can't control everybody. Can I control and stop the death threats that are coming to me because I'm helping putting this thing together? What are they going to do on May 1st when it's going to be an outright protest in front of 95 Franklin Street, which I have nothing to do with? Let me ask you this, Russ. Now, Mayor Brown and Captain Jeff Ronaldo have all strongly urged people to not take part in the protest. Do you think that people will listen to them, or are you getting some great response saying that people will come out based on what you're saying? Incredible response. More response than I ever, I ever expected. More than I ever expected. People are tired. People are fed up of being locked inside their houses, not being able to do anything. You know what? The mayor and the police are going to do what they do. They're going to do their job. They're going to try to stop everybody from doing things. But you can only stop the people for so long before they get fed up and start storming out of their houses. The frustration that is built up in people, they don't realize. I look at this. I picture somebody living in the city of Buffalo or anywhere that works for minimum wage that is stuck inside their home. They have no money coming in. How are they going to get food for their kids? They need to go back to work. Domestic violence is skyrocketing, but it's not being covered. Russ, let me ask you about those who right now aren't working, the the minimum wage that aren't working, right? Obviously, uh, people who work in restaurants aren't getting what they were making in tips. I get that. I hear from people like that every day. Believe me, I understand. But what do you say if... If May 1st, we do go back to work, right? We slowly start to reopen the state, and then we get a second spike, and we're back to where we are today. Now, was that the right move, or should we wait until it is the absolute safest to get back to work? People are being irresponsible if that happens. If people decide they're going to go to work and they don't keep up the social distances, it's their fault, okay? But people, you know, it's like nobody has faith in humans anymore we know what's going on we know we have to be careful we know we're not shaking hands we're not breathing we're not sneezing we're not coughing on anybody except for the people who want to do it to me they want to cough in my face they want to spit on me really this is a tolerant left you know this is one thing i just i just don't get i don't understand people are out there they are frustrated they're coming unglued because they're stuck between the four walls of their house what is government doing about it? They're shut down. Is anybody working in government? The whole town of Grand Island's government is shut down. You can't contact anybody in, in the town of Grand Island at all. The highway department is shut down. Why? Why? They can work in individual vehicles. This is the perfect time because nobody's out really driving to fix the roads. What a novel idea. Fix the roads when nobody's on them. You know, none of this... Well, a lot of it makes sense, but so much of it doesn't make any sense. They finally now decided they're going to open up, open up the golf courses. Well, great. Does everybody golf? No, I don't golf. They're going to open up the marinas. Good. I mean, you could open up marina. You can, you can play golf. You can do so many things that's being socially distant, wearing masks, instead of putting people on top of everybody and driving people completely into the poor farm where they have to be dependent on what? The government to send them money? 
People don't want to. Let's get back to the protest for a moment. Well, you make a good point about people being respectful and, and those who comply with the law. There are always others who will not do that, no matter how often or how strongly you recommend that they maintain a peaceful presence. You can't throw the law out the window, is what Captain Jeff Ronaldo is quoted as saying. So don't you think that a protest like this might make matters worse when people are so pent up, so frustrated? Everybody's being affected by this, no matter who you are. How do you reconcile that with trying to maintain law and order under these unprecedented times? What's the law that Captain, Captain Ronaldo is quoting? What is the law? The, Do you know? The health and safety laws. You, you, can't throw, you can't throw the law out the window is what he's saying. Why? And he also brings up a good point. No, what, what, I... if you end up, what if you end up in jail because of this? Would you really want to be in a situation like what, that? What, driving my vehicle around Niagara Square? I'm going to end up in jail? He's talking about people who do not comply with the requirements and who may break the law. And there are police officers who may be, uh, you know, taken away from situations that you describe, like domestic violence and things like that, kill because everybody. of this protest. I'm going to kill everybody, right? That's what, that's what my plan is. I want to infect everybody. I want to kill everybody. No, that's not my plan at all. We do have the Constitution. We do have the Bill of Rights that everybody seems to ignore at this space and time. You know, they got to have respect for the people that are out there. We can't sit around and have people dictating to us that we can't leave our house. You know, if but we, we don't. We also live in an area and in a country where there is law. And the, the question uh, I ask you are, is how do you reconcile the two? We are a country of laws, and these laws are based on the Bill of Rights. And the Constitution of the United States of America. Everybody forgets that. Everybody forgets that. We're losing our rights every day because of this. People are willing to take only so much before people start to break. And the people are breaking. They need some kind of hope, some kind of light that this is going to end, that they'll be able to come out of their houses. I haven't seen my grandchildren in a month. Why? Because we're being safe. We're not going over there and holding and hugging our grandchildren. You know, I mean, it, it's just common sense. I don't want anybody to violate any laws. I don't want anybody to get arrested. I don't want the police to have to come up and confront everybody. And this is the point that I've been trying to put across, and I hope through this show and all of the Facebook that I've been able to type up and write that people understand. I'm not responsible for what everybody does. People are stupid. They're going to act the way they're going to act. And we have the right to do this. Yeah, and I, I, I hope people uh, stay in their car too, Russ. I, I hope they can they can stay civil and that people stay in their car. However, I just fear that if it doesn't, and one person in that crowd has the coronavirus and it starts spreading, just like if we open the government too early and the virus starts spreading again, we're right back where we're talking July first. But uh, if, Russ, it's all and if, and if one person gets out and they don't have a mask on. Who are they going to infect if nobody else is around them? Well, Russ, thanks for the call. Um, That is tomorrow at 1130. Russ Thompson joining us here on Hardline.
You know, Joe, it's interesting because I understand the frustration. I mean, who doesn't? This is something that we're all in. It doesn't matter what you do for a living, who you are, how old you are. We're all in it. So, but when you're talking to people who just are, you know, on the edge to begin with, I think it's unrealistic to think that everybody will comply and not get out of their vehicles. And the problem arises that if somebody gets out of their vehicle and starts acting in an irresponsible manner, this can put others at risk. This can make the police leave whatever they're supposed to be doing, perhaps dealing with other issues related to the virus, like domestic violence, uh, or you know, day-to-day -day law enforcement. It, it can pull them away from that. And it's something that I think Mayor Brown, the county executive, Captain Ronaldo are all saying is not a good idea. Yeah, and uh, I can't help but think that I would rather err on the side of caution then create um, you know, a, a potential riot if things start to get out of control. Look at what happened in Michigan. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, have, I have nothing against Russ, and I, I, I just think, A, it's a bad look tying up the first responders. I mean, I think that's first and foremost. And number two, um, like you said, Brenda, we can't stop people from getting out of their cars. And I understand frustration. You know, we get a lot of texts about people who, who, who say we don't understand because we still work. We don't understand the frustration of those who are on unemployment. I get that. I understand that. I'm frustrated, too. I, 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 I go two places, here and home. And not that I don't love my home. But it gets frustrating when you can't see loved ones, you can't see family members for over a month. Believe me, you're not the only person with the frustration, okay? We're all frustrated, all right? But we are, we are doing this to save lives. We are doing this to contain the virus so we can go back out there. Think about this. If we just fast-track this with no medical evidence that, that the virus is contained, and we fast-track this and just throw people back out in their normal lives like it was in February, we get the second, uh, second surge and a second peak, and guess what? We might even double the deaths. I'm just not willing to say, hey, let's test it out. I'm not willing. You hear these numbers, five, 600 people a day dying of this. That is numbing. That is heartbreaking, and that never should be something that we just live with in the United States of America. It's mind-boggling, Joe. And here's the thing, and I understand what people are saying about New York City. I mean, if anybody's been to New York under normal circumstances, you realize how tightly packed that island is, especially if you're in Manhattan, Queens, you know, areas where people are on top of each other riding the subways, all of that. I understand that it's very, very different in Buffalo, New York, and in western New York, and certainly in upstate areas where there's a lot of rural communities. But it doesn't mean that we can't be infected by this virus. And I think the governor's, uh, you know, trying to, to maintain some degree of balance the best he can. Is he New York City focused? Yes, but that's also where the epicenter has been. So, you know, at this point, I think you'd have to have some continuity with the restrictions and the mandates and really keep things uh, where they are. It's not a piecemeal type approach at this point. And besides, we're all learning and, and, ex and, and experiencing the coronavirus in different ways every day. There's something new. There's a new wrinkle every day that we're learning about this. And so uh, I'm not, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus at this point. Lots of compliments on the text board. I'll be reading those as we go to break and then the news and then possibly Governor Andrew Cuomo. If he hasn't started by the end of the news, we'll be back. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.